0: Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, "Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay." clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, "'Do not be afraid. "'Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. "'There they will see me.'"
1: Thanks, Christine. Well, you are probably the most wired group of people that I have ever spoken to. Um, I think the only congregation crowd that I've spoken to a bit like you was uh, about 10 years ago. We used to have a church football team, and uh, they decided to have an end-of-season dinner. And they asked me to come along and speak towards the end. And uh, they were all in front of me, um, but they couldn't see what I could see. So in front of me were about sort of 20 blokes who just had a curry and a few beers, and they were happy, and they'd voted for the player of the year, and they were wondering who was going to get the award. What they couldn't see... I could see was that behind where these 20 guys were sitting, through in the next function room, there was a hen party. And as I stood up to speak, somebody else came into that hen party. Now he was dressed as a firefighter. I don't think he was a real firefighter, judging by what happened next but if you ever tried to speak to 20 guys while through the windows into the next room, a guy dressed as a firefighter begins to take off his firefighter's uniform, encouraged by the women in the next door room. That, I think, is the most challenging group of people that I've spoken to. But wired up on flying saucers and panda pops and all sorts of things that you are this evening, you run that group a pretty close second. But what we're going to look at for the next few minutes is, I think, the most important news in history. It's the most important event in the history of humanity. I believe it's the thing that actually changes the whole of life and indeed changes the whole of death. As a society, as a culture, we don't really know what to do with death. We don't know how to speak about death. So we, lose, we use other phrases, other euphemisms, other words, rather than actually say death or dying. When I was training to, to work in a church, I shadowed a friend who was a doctor, And uh, I asked him at some point during the 36 hours that I was shadowing him, are you trained how to tell people that their loved one has died? Now, this was a few years ago. It may have changed since then, but Nick's just said, no, we aren't trained. What we're told to by people who are consultants, people who are higher up than us, is to come out of the room looking serious and just say the words, I'm so sorry, and then just leave a pause. The hope is that somehow the family will pick up and they themselves will realize that the person has died. If they don't get it, they might use a phrase like, we tried everything we could. But they don't actually say the word, your father, your mother, your friend has died. Even though that might be the most helpful thing. Because we don't know what to do around death and dying. Over the past few months, one of the most moving blogs that I've read is that of Simon Thomas. You might have heard him on the radio or seen him uh, being interviewed uh, on uh, different television programs. That's Simon Thomas. You might recognize him. That's his eight-year-old son, Ethan. Uh, Ethan was a mascot on Tuesday night at Wembley uh, when England played Italy. But in November, Simon, who used to present Blue Peter and now uh, fronts uh, football for Sky TV, his whole life was turned upside down. His wife, Gemma, was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. Tragically, three days after the diagnosis, she died. And Simon Thomas decided... Initially, slowly, initially reluctantly, to share how he was feeling and how he was dealing with his grief through a blog. Writing in January, he shared these words. As I write now, it's just after 3.30 in the morning. I'm into the 10th week of severe sleep deprivation. 1.30 is the earliest I've been up. 4.30 feels like a lie-in, and some nights I've not slept at all. I've tried most drugs, but nothing works anymore. I've stopped fighting it. I've stopped getting angry and come to realize that this is just another grim part of this strange path called grief. My body is weak. My mind is frazzled. I've taken people's advice and tried to exercise, but after five lengths of the pool, I'm exhausted. Physically, I feel the weakest I've ever felt. I couldn't be strong even if I tried. But out of the weakness of my sleep-deprived body, I've managed to keep my head above the water. I managed to get my boy up each morning and get him ready for school. I manage to keep myself busy and not leave myself too many long periods alone in our house with my thoughts, and I somehow manage to get to the end of each day. I'm not being physically strong. I'm merely surviving at the moment until that day the sleep begins to return and my body starts to grow in strength again. Simon writes how he has agreed that every single day that his son goes to school, he will write a different note, and he takes photographs of the notes that he writes to his son, Ethan, to help Ethan cope with how he's feeling, to help Ethan with Ethan's questions about life and death, and why his mum isn't around anymore. He carried on in that blog, A wonderful Christian leader called Pete Gregg posted this on social media yesterday and I was really struck by it because in every way it speaks powerfully to me where I am now. When life is tough, they tell you to be strong. Don't be strong, be weak. Unclench your fists, dare to be vulnerable. Honest weakness takes courage. It affirms our common humanity, deepens friendship, and elicits grace. Simon wrote, this is me. This is why I think my story has touched people in a way I never intended or expected. I've dared to be vulnerable. I've dared to admit I feel weak, and particularly for a bloke, this isn't something we do very well, if at all. But for me, I can't be any other way. Part of the reason I got up in those early hours this morning was because my mind was gripped by fear. Those recurring fears of the past few weeks were crashing in. How the hell can I do life without Gemma? How can I ever get used to life without the woman I love beyond words? How on earth can I survive as a single parent when five minutes ago I was happily married? How can I ever sit in front of a TV camera again with the same confidence that has helped me through my career? What if I never get used to being in our beautiful house without the woman who is the heart and soul of our home? Will I have to move and start again? Will I ever smile properly again? When people ask me how I'm doing, I long for the day I can say with authenticity that I'm okay. But right now, I can't say anything other that I'm not okay. I'm really struggling. Now, Simon Thomas and his wife, Gemma, are committed Christians. But that hasn't lessened the impact of death, and it hasn't lessened the impact of grief. And so what do the events that we're celebrating today, where we proclaim the fact that we believe that 2,000 years ago somebody was raised from the dead, what has that got to say to us in 21st century Britain? As we come to terms with grief and death, as it does impact all of us at some point, if not now, then at some point in the future. I think it all revolves around three simple Words. Three words that was in that reading that Christine read for us a few moments ago. Three words that the angel spoke to the women who went to that tomb 2,000 years ago on that first Easter day. And those three words are these He has risen. In the language that the New Testament was written in, Greek, it's not three words. It's actually one word, egurthe, and with that one word God turns the tables on evil and sin and death and injustice and tragedy. What was up to that point considered to be a tool for torture, the cross, became an instrument and symbol of hope. With that one word in Greek, or those three words in English, God does what we could never have done, with thousands of years of religion and ritual, liturgies and tithes and temples and prayers and pilgrimages and priests and hymns and songs, because God raised Jesus from the dead. And because of the events that we celebrate today, because of the events 2,000 years ago on that first Easter Sunday, everything is different. Everything is different. Life can never be the same again. Death, significantly, can never be the same again. Because on that day, Jesus crossed over. He crossed over from simply being a good religious leader. He crossed over from being a good religious teacher. He crossed over from being just a prophet. He crossed over from death again to life. And by that act, God revealed that this was his Son, that Jesus was the Messiah, that all the things that Jesus claimed about himself were actually true. The resurrection of Jesus is right at the heart of the Christian faith, If the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, the whole of the Christian faith is a lie. The whole of the Christian faith is a sham. All that we are doing this evening, flying saucers notwithstanding, is a waste of time. It's the biggest fraud that has ever been perpetrated in the history of of humanity. Because if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then Jesus was not God's Son. The resurrection of Jesus is not simply a symbol. It's not just a theological idea. It's not simply a myth or an ideal. Some people will tell you that. Some people, even those who claim to be Christians, will say, well, it's just symbolic It's just a myth. Jesus does live on, but he lives on inside our hearts. That's not what the Bible says about the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says that the resurrection of Jesus was a physical, historical, spiritual, and personal event. It really happened. The body of Jesus went missing. The body, the corpse of Jesus was in that tomb for three days and then it was not there anymore. The grave clothes were left folded over and that's significant. In Jewish culture, if you have a meal, if you've finished with your napkin, you just sort of scrunch it up. But if you fold it over, it means you're coming back. It means you haven't finished. It means you're coming back for more. The grave clothes of Jesus were folded over because he was coming back, and paradoxically also because he no longer needed those grave clothes. The tomb was empty, or it wasn't. The bones had gone, or they didn't. At no point, Did the Jewish authorities or the Roman authorities bring them and say, look, we've got the corpse of Jesus. We've got the skeleton of Jesus. They never brought those bones forward because they couldn't, because they hadn't got them. One of the two witnesses who goes to the tomb of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, her life is totally transformed by the events that she witnessed that first Easter Sunday. She's described in the gospel accounts as a woman who's, who's come from a totally dysfunctional background. Her whole life is chaotic. Um, early church tradition um, has it that she be, was a prostitute, even though there's no evidence in the gospel accounts that says that she was. But she definitely come from this background of a, of a totally dysfunctional and chaotic lifestyle, now to meet the person of Jesus, and her life was never going to be the same again. Her life was transformed by an encounter with Jesus before he died. Her life was transformed even more by an encounter with Jesus after he was raised from the dead. And in a culture that didn't allow women to give evidence in a court of law, God chooses two women to give the most important news in human history to. If you're in any doubt as to the role and place of women in the church. Just imagine what God did. Women in Jewish culture, Roman culture, Greek society, women were nobodies. Women could be sold. They were like property, they were like chattels, they could be got rid of. A husband could divorce his wife just because... He didn't like her anymore, just because she looked at him in a funny way, just because she overcooked breakfast one morning. Women were nobodies. Women could give no evidence in a court of law. So why did God decide to give the most important evidence that the world has ever heard to two women? Because God was saying, everything now is different. Everything now has changed. All the rules, all the constraints, all the expectations, they're now being turned upside down. Mary was given the title, The Apostle to the Apostles. Literally, the sent one to the sent ones. Again, if you're in doubt as to women and whether they should be in leadership in the church, I think the title, The Apostle to the Apostles, sort of gives the game away. God was doing something different. God was making a new world order. And now, because everything is different, in the midst of death, there is life. In the midst of despair, there is hope. In the midst of darkness, there is light. And it makes all the difference. And it's personal. And it transforms the way in which we look at life and it transforms the way we think about death, and it can even bring hope in the darkest moments, even when we're faced with grief. As I said, Simon Thomas is and remains a committed Christian, He speaks very movingly in the interviews that he gave on television and radio about how when his wife died, he said, I must have woken up every single person in the hospital because I went outside of the room where she died and I just yelled at God, yelled at God for 10, 15 minutes. He had loads of questions and he still hasn't got all the answers. But a few weeks ago, he wrote these words on his blog. As I pace the house like a lost soul, my heart cries out for her return, yet my mind shouts, she's not here. The daily nightmare roars on like an unstoppable avalanche, unthinkable, unmanageable, unfair, yet amidst the pain, amidst the anger, the questions, and the never-abating agony of loss, the crowds of grief occasionally clear. And the God of the universe, the God who became man and sat and wept with the lost, whispers, you're going to be okay. It still feels like Friday, but Sunday is coming. Being a Christian doesn't take away the ache. He doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away Simon Thomas's sadness. It doesn't take away his questions or his anger. But through the anger, through the pain, through the sadness, Simon Thomas has a hope. That even in the midst of the darkness, even in the middle of the night, even at the time that he's tempted to give up, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming that because Jesus was raised from the dead, there is hope, that because Jesus was raised from the dead, it proves that he is the Messiah, that because Jesus was raised from the dead, God's new creation has begun, that because Jesus was raised from the dead, there is life even through death. And that is not a metaphor. It isn't a symbol. It is real and it's personal just like death. And maybe this evening for you, it, feels, it still feels as though it's Good Friday. Because of what you're facing in life, because of what you're facing at the moment, God seems miles away. Something has happened to you. Something has happened perhaps to somebody that you know. Some situation has arisen, something, and you just think that God has forgotten you. That is exactly how Jesus felt on the cross, forced to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But listen to these words, it may feel like Friday, but Sunday will come. It may feel like death, but resurrection will happen it may feel like the end but there is still hope it may feel as though you've come to the end of yourself but that is exactly where god begins it may feel like friday but sunday's coming it may feel like friday but sunday is here and that makes all the difference in this world and in the next.